Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. The Department of Agriculture is doing some amazing things, both through first through the Centers of Excellence program that they undertook with the General Services Administration. Now they've graduated from that, and they're running on their own, and they're doing it well, Robert. And you're seeing and hearing things about what they're doing. I imagine you're hearing and seeing the same things that I'm seeing, which is the Centers of Excellence really set them up to succeed, not just for now, but in perpetuity. I mean, they can they can make this last moving forward. You've seen at the Department of Agriculture, perhaps better than many other agencies in the last several years, really drive some enterprise-wide management improvements that are really impressive. What is it you like to say about USDA? It's always sunny at USDA. Well, I, I learned that from you. That was, <laughs> that was you that taught me that, and we get a chuckle out of that line from uh, Venus Goodwine, who's the Chief Information Security Officer at USDA. Are you laughing at that line, Venus, because you've heard it so many times in the building? Is that why you're laughing? I'm going to say yes. That is a very <laughs> unique line. Thank you. Uh, it's great to have you on the program. What was what was your role in getting USDA involved in the Centers of Excellence program, standing it up there, and making sure that it got off to the solid start that it appears to have gotten to? Hi. Well, so first of all, thank you for being here. You know I love to tell the story of Department of Agriculture. Um, we have such a diverse mission, and, of course, Having the type of mission that touches every single person every day, you know, really is a great opportunity. So um, when I arrived, as you know, back in December 2018, we were already in the midst of the Centers of Excellence. But there are still some cybersecurity requirements that they had, and myself bringing um, my experience, I was able to just really jump right in, you know, feet first, assess the requirements, and really um, create an agile cybersecurity uh, processes that enable the centers of excellence um, to be the success story that we know today. Talk about how you've seen things improve. You've been there a good <laughs> period of time now. You joined from yeah. DOD, as I understand it. How <laughs> have you seen things improve during your tenure from a, a an information security posture because some of the things you've got to be privy to would make the hand hairs on the back of your neck stand up. I <laughs> well, yeah. Well, so you you know a couple of things, and I'll I'll start um, recent and then work my way back to really some of the things I focused on here. First, you see our latest Batara score and the cyber portion of that score definitely increased our cyber score from a grade of S to C. So a two-letter grade jump really Bravo. is a testament to um, really the, the team being able to, to really hold on to the vision um, that I had for the, the agency, when I, when the, for the department when I got here, and having really the type of leadership in, in Mr. Washington that says, here is your mission, cyber is all yours, go do. And having that support, not only of him, but above him as well in the deputy secretary and the secretary. And so that was one thing. The other thing, one of the major things when I arrived, um, the organization was right in the middle of the security operations um, center consolidation effort, which was mandated, you know, by OMB 
um, through the the risk management um, directives that they had issued. And one of the things that we had to do was take all of the SOC and the SOC-like functions within our within our department and then to make that into one enterprise SOC. And, and there are other ways. We could have made the decision to outsource the SOC um, and, um, or keep it inherently and then turn it into one enterprise SOC. So we made the decision um, to um, make it an enterprise SOC and provide um, like a, what I like to call SOC as a service to the missionaries. And, you know, yourself knowing a little bit about USDA, having 29 different agencies um, is no easy thing, right? And so in order to do that, the first thing um, I had to do was identify the work. What was the work of a stock and how do I align that work? And it was key for me to make sure that it was something codified, that it wasn't a personality-driven type decision. So I leaned on the NIST cybersecurity framework that we're all familiar with, you know, the five functions, identify, protect, detect, respond, recover, and all of the um, subcategories. And the reason that was important is because when I measured through my FISMA OIG, it's according to the cybersecurity framework. When I report my CIO metrics, it's tied to the same functions. And moreover, when I submit my budget data request, it's tied to the functions and the capability. So it made sense that we would use that to define the work of our stock and then align all the functions and the requirements of the mission area um, to that cybersecurity framework. And so that was the first step um, of really establishing what stock as a service was going to be at the Department of Agriculture. So I mean no disrespect to the work that you've done because what you've accomplished is really monumental, Venus, but what it sounds like you're saying is we leaned really heavily into what NIST built, not just for the framework itself, but for the way that we go out and find people. And we'll talk about the, the NICE framework in a moment for your workforce. But it sounds like you basically are saying we leaned into that very heavily and it's paid off in, in success for us. Is that a fair read? Oh, yes, it is. Um, because not only what's nice about the framework, and, and you all know this, uh, and I'm sure the audience does, is the informative references. You know, I can tie the risk management framework directly with the nice, I'm sorry, with the cybersecurity framework. And so doing that, I take my operations and my risk and I combine them together and I can connect the dots between the correlation between them, meaning the risk that is being accepted based on the data and, of course, the protection required, and then the operations team that monitors that. And so being able to have that um, connected tissue between those things in the foundation of the CSF has, has paid off for us because it also drives me to what decisions, I'm sorry, and what investments I need to make. Because further, I then took all of the uh, subcategories that are within the framework and map them to the tools that I have within my security operations center and built my cybersecurity architecture from that. So when I have a particular application or system that I need to protect, tying that then to our business capabilities, I know exactly protection required for that particular um, mission area system. And so, yes, it has been um, foundational, but it has reached um, different levels within um, USDA in order for us to be successful in protecting 
the business and the mission of the department. I, I teased so, the uh, NICE framework, and that stands for National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education, as you well know, Venus. How does that intersect with what you need? How are you, you mentioned investments, and I wonder, it's pretty obvious, I guess, when you read the mission statement of NICE. The mission of NICE is to energize and promote a robust network and an ecosystem of cybersecurity education, training, and workforce development. It's pretty obvious why that mm -hmm. provides value to you. I wonder how you are going about providing value back to that framework and that network. How are you building skills in your people that they may wind up doing what you did, going to another agency or going to the private sector or going to academia or whatever? What What's that mm -hmm. ecosystem look like from your perspective? Mm -hmm. So let me, let me tell you, that's such a great question because what happens is, because we've used the framework, not just here at the department, but like you say, in private industry and academia, when a person has a work role and they're trained to that work role, they can go anywhere and perform that role because of that standardization that NIST provides. And so just a, a recap, you know, the framework has seven categories, you know, 33 specialty areas, and more importantly, the 52 work roles. And so for, for the Department of Agriculture, what we've decided, because one, our mission is so diverse, we need diverse skills, and we need diversity of thought that comes from diverse work experience. Now, you get that diversity through the, the framework, because when you look at the NIST and the individual decides, well, I'd like to be in, you know, um, protect and defend, they know exactly that function, um, and, you know, and then they know the specialty. And so as a, a CISO, what I do with that is now that I've defined the work in, with the framework, what people do I need to do the work and what skill level that should they have um, in order to do that? What skills, you know, what knowledge, what skills, what abilities? And that's what the framework gives you, specifically when you look at a work role. And so every one of us at our 2210s, um, have a three-digit code as identified by OPM for the work role. And so within that work role, um, I can then build my training plan so I understand where I need to invest, invest dollars to grow and mature my workforce for the future, um, especially for modernization. And I also can use that to develop, develop individual development plans, IDPs, for my workforce because everyone has aspirations to do something else. And so even though I may train them for what I need to do today, it allows them to, to train and grow for what they want to do tomorrow. So that's a win-win for both of us. And then the third leg of that really is I was able to identify any skill gaps that I may have had that requires a service from my mission area of protection that I may not have. And so those three things using the NICE framework allowed me um, to do that. And then again, I like to do things that are already codified so that it's not just a Venusism, as I like to say, but it's really something that anyone behind me or next to me could understand the method and the methodologies in which our cybersecurity program are built. So one being, of course, is the framework to ident identify the work, and then, of course, the NICE framework to identify the skills required to do the work. And then when we talk about recruiting and, and um, retention of individuals, then using all the OPM um, uh, authorities that I have at my disposal, rather it's you know, using direct hire authority or using a Schedule A, you know, so that we can then 
find the diverse workforce as well um, that we need. And so the NICE framework has been key to us um, actually establishing that at Department of Agriculture. It sounds like you've got a good system in place to refresh your workforce skills on an ongoing basis. What I want to hear from you is how it was getting all the things done that you've been managing over the last several years. You've done this consolidation, and that's a cultural change for your people. And then you've got COVID-19, and they've all had to transform the way they operate, probably adding risk to your information security posture. Talk about the impact that's had on your organization, its people, and its performance. I will tell you, um, USDA never closed, right? And and that that's huge, right? Because we can't, people still need to eat. We still need to support our farmers and ranchers and producers and provide information to citizen public. And so it was very important that as we transitioned to this enhanced telework posture, that, that we were able to still provide the same service that we had the day prior, you know, pre-COVID. And in order to do that, the first thing we had to do was educate. Okay, and what I mean by that is everyone at USDA is not a technologist. But now that you're at home, I need to educate you on what does it mean? This is your router. This is how you secure your home router. This is how you connect to EVPN. And then we also had to look at all of the investments that we had made from a technology standpoint, for instance, Office 365 you know, that I can have um, our team connect to Office 365 in the cloud and not require direct connection through EVPN, for instance. So that was key for us to do, and that became um, education. We then um, had to educate on the threat, um, meaning phishing attempts we knew were going to rise um, as, a, as, as we went into the enhanced um, telework. And so we had to constantly remind our team that don't click on links, you know, as we've taught them before. And so it really is a testament to the success um, or the maturity or effectiveness of our cybersecurity program that we've had in place for a while as well. And so we made sure that we continued um, to, to provide that type of information that we would if we were in the brick and mortar building of the Department of Agriculture. We still did that for our users as they were in their homes, recognizing that my new perimeter was now scattered um, throughout the multiple homes um, of the individuals, I still had to provide that cybersecurity service and protect the data of the Department of Agriculture. And so, um, again, it became education the masses, edu- education of the masses, I should say, making sure that I stayed in touch in communication. We had an entire communication plan um, that we used to, to make sure that that was effective and there was a single source of information where everyone could go and get information. I had to make sure I understood the investments I had made in technology and really call upon my technology partners and say, hey, I have this investment. Am I maximizing it? And so I had to do that as well. And that's when I talk about things, you know, Microsoft Defender, Defender ATP or, you know, our cloud access or using our, you know, Splunk tools and, you know, no advertising here, but just saying those are the, some of the investments I have as a result of um, CDM because, you know, we are heavy CDM proponent here at the Department of Agriculture and have been really moving fast, um, ex- maturing that program as well. So that's how I think we've been able to make the shift because of COVID to the enhanced um, telework environment, but still maintain the level of support required um, for our business. So the problem that I have, Venus, is I have a list of about 10 more questions I want to ask you, and we're out of time. So we'll have to get you to come back and continue this conversation at some point. But you're really doing terrific things, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on, talking to us, and getting some insight into what you're doing. 
Oh, thank you, Francis and Robert. I love it. I look forward to it. I have plenty of USDA stories I can tell. So thank you for calling. Well, that's what we really want, too. We really want to hear the stories from the cafeteria. (laughs) Just to put a point on that, thanks for your service. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.